It's good to have a new year. I, I love new year. It's, to me, it's a new beginning. It's such a rest over January. No children's church, no kids inc. I've got to go to work, but it's lovely. And as, as um, said before, we don't know what's going to happen, good, bad, but we've got a new start. And this morning, I want to... Um, I think I've turned it on. No, don't want that one. I want that one. My assignment's titled, The Two Prodigals. So I've changed the title in the Bible. Because I really want to talk mostly about the second son, but to do that I have to talk about the first son. And what I want to bring out is the fact that we as Christians can live in the kingdom of God, but not really know who we are in that kingdom. So let's start the two prodigals. So if you've got your Bibles, find them, Luke 15, 11 to 32. I have to admit, I always find when I'm in, in sitting in the seat that it's so much easier to read because you have the same translation. Let's start. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And that's where we're going to stop just for a second. Right at the beginning of that passage, the younger son, he really um, 
dishonoured his father because he was basically saying in that culture, Dad, I wish you were dead because then I could have my inheritance. But then I was thinking about this and I thought, that son, that was very game of him to go to his father like that. Did that mean that his son actually knew how much his dad loved him, that he was able and brave enough to go to his dad and say, Dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait. He knew his father and he knew his father loved him. Now, you may disagree with me on this, but this is, I've been thinking about this for a few weeks. He knew his father, he loved him and his dad said, okay, and he separated the inheritance. But did you notice in that first verse, he didn't only give the inheritance to the younger son, he gave it to the second son as well. It says he divided the inheritance between the two sons. Each of them received his inheritance. So the young son goes off, has a blast, lots of parties. We don't know for how long, might have been one year, two years, three years, we don't know. But finally, it's all gone. Nothing left. So the friends have gone, of course, they are only there for the the good times. So the son has to find a job of some sort and finally finds someone that has pigs who will let him look after them. Now for a Jew, that is, that's pretty non-negotiable. This son, who'd already done the wrong thing, and he probably knew it by this time, he'd spent all his dad's money, now has to go and work with the pigs. Totally unclean in the Jewish religion. No way could anyone be clean. That boy would be cut off from God in his, in his believing because he's with the pigs. Then he has to feed them as well and then... And there's no food for himself, so what's he got to do? Eat the pig food. I would say that this son is totally broken by this stage. He's got nothing. He's unclean. He can't go near any other Jews, really, because he's so unclean. He can't talk to God, he's unclean. He's got nothing. Then I was imagining him sitting there and thinking... My dad does love me. Maybe if I go back to him and say, let me be your servant, I can at least go home. I can go home and see my dad, even if I'm serving him. So he heads off home, doesn't he? And of course, he's right about his dad. His dad's been looking out for him all the time, hoping so that when he comes home, his dad sees him and runs to him and the boy falls on his knees and says, Dad, I've really wrecked my life. I've done everything wrong. I'm so unclean. You make me a servant. And we know the rest of the story. Dad just picks him up and says, Son, 
you're home. You've come home. And he puts a clean robe on him. He puts the finger on him, which means... The, puts the finger on him. Puts the ring on his finger, which means sonship. The father immediately restores him to his sonship. And I think that son's love for his dad would have grown larger and larger and larger, knowing how much his dad loved him. I don't know about you, but every now and again, I know last year I had a period where I really felt that God was a million miles away. And I have to admit, I didn't want to read my Bible, I didn't want to pray, I just didn't want to do anything. Until finally one day, God said to me, come home. Well, I burst into floods of tears and I said, I want to. And I don't know if there's anyone here even now who's feeling like that. But it's so easy to just come home. And if there's anyone here who's never given their heart to Jesus, all he's asking of you is to come home. He wants you. He's your dad. He's saying, come Come home, come and know me, come and love me, come and believe in me. I want the very best for you, come home. Now let's look at the second son. It says, meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother, is, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and came back to and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This second son says immediately he heard his brother had come back. He was angry. Now, I don't know why he was angry. Maybe he thought with the brother out of the way, Dad would love him more. Remember, these two sons have grown up in the same household but seem to be different to one another. Or are they? Is one, one acted out of rebellion and wanted to take his inheritance right now? The other one 
in rebellion is angry and bitter. When dad, when he hears of his brother having a big feast for him and all, I think the bitterness really came to the surface. And his father comes out to him and he says, son, come on in, come in, come in with us, celebrate. And the boy says, no way. Now this in itself again was another slur on the father. Can you imagine a big party and little groups of people chatting and they see the sun outside not coming in and they can see the anger on his face. What a slur on the dad that he will not come in. I can imagine people talking and saying, what's up with him, what's going on, have to find out. But dad says to him, son, I know, I know you've been with me all this time. I know you've worked hard. But listen, I've given you everything. You already have your inheritance. I gave it to you and I gave you the younger son his inheritance. You are with me. And I have to question, has the son, this son, worked so hard, done everything his dad told him to because he was trying to earn his dad's love. I'm sure you can see where I'm going here. Was he doing it to earn his dad's love? What was in that second son's heart that he would be so angry? And he says to his dad, this son of yours, he's, he's negating that he has a brother. He's no brother of mine. And as I was looking at it, I really felt that this son has been living in his father's household all this time with his brother, but has never ever understood his father's love for him. He's never understood what his father has been offering him, what his father has given him. I'm sure if the father would give the younger son his inheritance, if the other son had said, Dad, can I have a kid? I want to have a party with my friends. I'm pretty sure his dad would have said yes. Maybe he wasn't going to ask his father. And where I'm coming from from here is, how often do we as Christians, we are in God's kingdom, but how often do we act as if we don't belong? We're not a part of it. We don't see what we've got, what we've been given, and we act like, I don't belong here. He doesn't love me. And I could see for myself, I have to say all of this has been through my thinking over the time that how often do I drift into the, come into the kingdom, then go out of the kingdom. Things go wrong and I'm complaining and carrying on and worrying. Then things get sorted out and you say, okay God, that's okay. How often do we run out of that kingdom and say, nah, I don't belong here. 
or, oh, he doesn't love me. I mean, maybe none of you are like me, but I think we're all human. So coming to that point, I thought, well, okay, let's look at what God, some of the things God has given us. So I'm into Ephesians just as, as Mike was. And actually this Ephesians 1.3 goes into where he was reading and I thought, no, getting too much reading here. So I'm glad you read it, Mike. <laughs> it says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. In, in that verse, many spiritual blessings that we have been given not tangible things we can pick up or put down, but things that we have, we already have them. I realise so many times I've said to God, oh, Lord, I need to know your love, or I need this, or I need that. And so many times, and it gets to me sometimes, he says to me, but you've already got it. It's like he has to keep saying to me, I've already given it to you. Do something with it. So we are holy and without blame. That's pretty astounding when someone tells you that you're no good or useless or oh, just be quiet. You're holy and you're without blame. You are special. We are chosen chosen god has chosen you each one of you there's no exceptions adopted you're not a mistake you're not someone he didn't want he wants you and each one of you has a purpose and a plan god has it for you you only have to ask we're accepted doesn't matter how many times you muck up you are accepted, you're redeemed and you're forgiven. And the greatest gift of all that he's given us is the Holy Spirit to help us. He said he'd give us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a friend, as a teacher. What more could we ask? We all need a friend, we all need a teacher, we all need assurance. We need the Holy Spirit so much and we've been given him. So much so that God, the Holy Spirit, lives within, within us. 
It's there. It's not out there. It's not up there anywhere. He's in you. That's God's promise. And God never, ever breaks a promise. He can't do it. Now my tooth is hitting the microphone. God can't break promises. And then I thought, spiritual promises, that's not always what we need as well. We need other sorts of promises. And I began to think of the physical promises that he has given us. And I did this through just a few of the names of God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. God has proved that to me so, so, so many times. When we don't have the things we need, if we trust him, he will provide. He did this for me so... I know I've talked about it before and I'm not going to again, but when I was really pretty destitute, he just provided in amazing ways. The Lord my banner, Jehovah Nissi. Now, I love this one. I really do. And that really fitted in the song with that last song we had. I always imagine there's this, this scripture in the Bible that says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a banner before him. Now, in my mind, I've got this great army of angel soldiers on horseback. Holy Spirit's in the front with the banner because it says the Spirit of the Lord and they're charging against whatever is attacking me. And it's just such a lovely picture of, of them all galloping along, charged the Holy Spirit yelling as they all go for the enemy. We have that. The Lord is my banner. The Holy Spirit it will fight for us. Jesus fights for us. He intercedes for us at the throne of heaven. He is for us, not against us. God will never, ever leave us. And then Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. And that's a promise in the Bible. It says he is the Lord that heals us, that by his stripes we were healed. Now, I know a lot of us struggle with this one. I struggle with it because we so many, when we pray, that are not healed. And I have to say, though, that I believe totally that the Lord does heal. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with the person that is not healed. Usually it means it's something wrong with the person who's praying, me. Whether I'm not believing enough or what, I don't know. But God and I are trying to deal with this. He's trying to deal with me on it. Because I keep asking. I don't get it, but I want to get it. Because I do believe he is faithful. And he doesn't break a promise. And if that's in the Bible, well then that's a promise. So many promises. If you're feeling down, start looking at the promises. Start looking at the names of God. The Lord is our shepherd. And I don't, if you're like me, you always think of that picture of the Lord going after the lost sheep, sheep and then holding that sheep in his arms and bringing it home and looking after it. What else have we got? The, um, 
There's so many of those names of God. He is our God. He is our Lord. What part of the kingdom are you living in? The loved or the unloved? What picture of God do you have in your mind? Is it the God of the Bible? The God that is spoken about? Is it Jesus? Or is it some tin pot God you've got made up in your head? Which is so easy to do. We all have different visions of God. When I was a little girl, I always thought of God as this vengeful, wrathful person because I'd loved, I had this beautiful Bible with pictures in, it was like a comic book Bible. But, you know, I'd see all the armies killing one another and everyone killing one another and I thought, oh boy. We get pictures in our mind of what God's like instead of looking at our Bible and seeing what he's like, asking God to reveal himself. And after I had thought about all of this, for some weeks, thinking, where do I live in this kingdom? I made a New Year's resolution, which I don't do. I don't like New Year's resolutions. They normally last me three days, and then I've wrecked it. But I've made one this year, and I'm hoping to keep it. And the first part of it is, do you remember Jenny Furness used to say to us, at least try and pray in tongues for 10 minutes every day. And I know she was right, but it didn't do it. I'd last a day and forget it. Not, but I have read so many stories of people's lives who were changed by did this. So my resolution, number one, is to pray in tongues for 10 minutes every day. But my second resolution, it's not go out and work hard for God, it's not go and do things, it's to stay and be with him. To come home and just sit with him. Talk to him, let him talk to me. I've never kept a journal before, but I've started... Well, I have, and it's usually been... I, I throw it away because I think, ah, oh, that's not God talking to me, that's just me talking to me. But this year I've started again. And, yeah, a lot of it is probably me giving me good advice, but some of it, I believe, is God. And I'm going to keep practising this because if this helps me to be with God, talk with him hear him speaking to me, well, that's where I want to be. I want to get so close to him that my everyday life is just doing things for him but not having the great effort or the, you know, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. But out of knowing him and his love that it will just flow naturally. As the Bible says, rivers of living water should be flowing out of us. And I'm beginning to think that the only way this can happen is if we know God and spend the time with him. Now, this, this what I've been preaching might be just for me, I don't know. But if not, ask God what he wants you to do. Every one of us is different. And he's got us all on different paths. He might want you to go out and 
do your do evangelizing which i long to do but do what he tells you to do if it's a time of just sitting with him and knowing him do it i don't think we'll suffer for it let's pray father here we are and we all want to be at home with you sure lord we want to go out we want to, to tell people about you we want to pray for healing we want to preach the gospel but lord help us to know you more than anything help us to want you more than anything that as we come to know you you would be able to use us more and more and more in jesus name we pray this amen